Year's Eve. 2017 is almost history. I trust you had a good Christmas. Anybody awake in the room? <laughs> if it was tomorrow morning, I would expect this, but it's New Year's Eve. It's not New Year's Day. You know, 2017 was kind of a lousy year. Um, I don't know if it was for you, but uh, it was hot all the way into December. Um, it's just, and then this weather got so crummy these last few days. It's been so cold. And then Dylan, Dylan gave me the wrong cue. He said that I was supposed to come up after um, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, but not the second time after. So that got me all messed up. And, and the music was so loud this morning. Um, and these stinking lights are so bright, I can't see anything. It's so annoying and so frustrating. And you should have seen our neighbor's Christmas lights this year. They were so obnoxious. I mean, it was really annoying. We had to close the blinds in the evening just so we couldn't see it. But you don't want to hear my problems, do you? Um, nobody wants to hear my problems. Nobody cares. Nobody ever listens to me. So let's get out of the sermon this morning. Um, this morning, what we're going to talk about is the topic of, ready for it? Complaining. Okay. Everybody all right? I'm really not upset with Dylan. The lights aren't that bright. Our neighbor's lights were awesome. But you know, I think we complain far more than we realize. How many of you were starting to complain about how I was being so negative at the beginning of the service? Don't raise your hands, but you're out there. I saw you. Some of you were laughing. Some of you were like, oh, what's wrong with this guy? God does not take complaining lightly. In fact, complaining is one of the reasons that he judged Israel so severely and caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Listen to this, or look at this text from um, Numbers chapter 14, and uh, you see those several words there in bold. When I come to the bold word, I want you to say it with me. You ready? And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, how long will this wicked generation against me? I have heard the of the people of Israel, which they against me, and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have against me. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb and Joshua. Grumbling is a big deal to God. And our current term is complaining, grumbling, whining, whatever. Uh, now, just for context, just so you know where we're at, we're going to start our new study in the book of Revelation in two weeks, but as we close out one year and move into the new year, there's always that sense of a, of a fresh start. Uh, I don't know if you're big in New Year's resolutions. Anybody big into New Year's resolutions? Not a single person. Good. Okay. I'm not either, so, uh, but how about a fresh start? Uh, how about uh, we take a couple weeks, this week and next week, and look at a couple of issues that will help us start the year right. Uh, give us a fresh start for 2018. And as I prayed, as I, as I thought through, and as I considered, um, I, I need to tell you this, Todd actually told me, Chris, you can preach on anything you want. Wow, carte blanche. So this is what God impressed upon me. This week, we're going to look at the sin of complaining. 
And then next week, we're going to look at the life of Elijah to see how he dealt with the, uh, the seasons of dryness and depression and discouragement in his life. But today, complaining. Uh, I've been intrigued with this for a long time. I've studied it over the years. I've preached on it before. And it, 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 it intrigues me because it's a bigger deal than we think it is. And I think we are all subject to complaining. Um, Israel was absolutely the worst at this. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 10. That's where we're going to be this morning, uh, more or less. We'll be bouncing around a bit. But in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul tells us how Israel's failings were examples for us to learn from. So uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 says, Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. And then in verse 11 it says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. And so the things that were written down for our instruction, these things that are examples for us to follow, uh, are listed earlier in the chapter, or throughout the chapter, and uh, let me, let me look at, have you look at these four things, verses 7 through 10. The first one was the, the people were not to be idolaters. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So idolatry, they were guilty of that, and it's written down as an example for us. Uh, verse 8, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. Uh, verse 9, we must not put Christ to the test of some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. In verse 10, we see, nor grumble or complain or whine as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. And so today we're going to focus on this grumbling issue. But I want you to notice this, that God places complaining and grumbling in the same category as sexual deviancy and idolatry. Is that not instructive right there? People died, were punished by God for each of these sins, including complaining. I think we complain and we grumble and don't even know it. We complain about everything from politics to the traffic to the weather. We grumble and gripe at every turn, from church matters to the weather, to our parents, to what we're having for supper, and are we, are we even aware that we're doing it? I want to suggest to you this morning that, that complaining has no place in the life of the follower of Jesus. Complaining and grumbling is sinfully rejecting God's sovereign working in my life for my good. And rooting out the sin of complaining is a great way to start 2018 fresh. So this morning, I want to ask and answer three questions about complaining. That's our structure. Three questions. First question is this. What is complaining? Different translations use different terms. Um, like I said before, there's murmur, there's grumble, there's complain. John MacArthur says that uh, grumbling or murmuring is dissatisfaction with God's sovereign will for our lives and the lives of others dissatisfaction with God's sovereign will for our lives. Complaining is disagreeing with and disapproving of the ways in which God is working in my life. 
Ultimately, complaining is always against God. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Let's take a look at that. There's numerous examples, uh, I've already said, of Israel complaining and grumbling, but in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul refers to a couple that help us understand what complaining is. Uh, in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 10, 9, uh, Paul refers to an incident in Numbers 21 as Israel was leaving their 400 years of slavery. And he says, we must not put Christ to the test if some, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. God was taking Israel on a particular route for a particular reason, but they didn't like it. And so they started to get impatient, and they spoke against God, and they spoke against Moses, and they whined, and they complained. And so God sends poisonous snakes among the children of Israel, and many, many died. Now in Numbers 21 and verse 7, the people repent, and this is what they say, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Another example, in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. This refers to an incident in number 16. Korah and his followers rebelled against Moses' leadership. So God killed Korah and his followers. Remember the earth swallowed, or the earth opened up and swallowed them in a rather dramatic, obviously God did this kind of way. And the people began to grumble and complain about God's right to pass out judgment on those that were uh, rebelling against Moses. So, so they, they're grumbling about what God did. Obviously God did it. So they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. <clears throat> God unleashes judgment. He kills 14,000 of the complainers. Let me reiterate, the people were grumbling and complaining because of what God had done. Have you ever complained about the weather? Who's responsible for the weather? There is no government agency, there is no group of people, there is no group of scientists, there are no meteorologists, there are no human beings anywhere on the face of the earth that control the weather. There is only one person who controls the weather, and that's God. So when we complain about the weather, whom are we complaining against? God. Do you, do you really believe, do we really believe that God is sovereignly in control of the weather? Thank you. <clears throat> I know you want to plead the fifth really, really bad right now. So when we complain about the weather, we're complaining about God. We're complaining about what God has done. He is the one who makes it rain or not rain. He's the one that brings the Santa Ana winds. He's the one who makes it cold or hot. He is the one that controls that. So what is complaining? Complaining is saying to God, I don't like the way you have ordered and orchestrated all the details of my life both big and small. I don't like the pain that I have to endure every day of my life. I don't like my 
parents or my teachers or my roommates. I don't like how my husband takes care of the house. I don't like the governor or the president or the mayor or the Congress. I don't, how, I don't like how long these checkout lines are. Why don't they bring up some more cashiers? This is ridiculous. Anybody ever complained about that? <clears throat> I don't like the color of the carpet at the church. I don't like how loud the music is. I don't like the plaid shirts that Chris always wears. And on it goes. That's complaining. Now, the second question we have to ask about complaining is why is it so sinful? Why is this such a big deal? We've, we've begun to answer this, but we need to take it further. Ultimately, complaining is a heart attitude that says my opinion of how things should be is more important than God's opinion of how things should be. And that boils down to pride. And it boils down to idolatry. It boils down to placing myself and my comfort and my preferences above God's ways. Now we saw that Israel spoke directly against God but even when we complain about other people or other situations, we are ultimately speaking against God. For example, in Exodus 16, we read this. In verse 2, the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And then a few verses later, in verse 7, we read this. For he, uh, Moses, has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, because the Lord has heard your grumbling, that you grumble against him, what are we? Get this last line. Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. So when we grumble against other people, other situations, we're grumbling, complaining against, ultimately against God. Romans 13 says God has set up the governments that we have. And so when we complain about our government, we're complaining about what God has set up. You might grumble and complain about your work situation. You don't like the hours you work. You don't like your boss. You, you, you have to put up with all this stuff at work. But it is God who has you there in that situation. We might complain about the heat or the wind or the traffic or how expensive housing is but it's God that has placed each of us right here, right now. Just like he placed Esther in the Persian palace for such a time as this. He has placed each of us where we are for such a time as this. He has a plan. All things work together for our good and for his glory. And when I complain, I'm telling God that his plan and his purpose for my life are not good enough for me. Do we really want to say that to the almighty God? Do we really want to tell him that his plan and his purpose for my life isn't good enough and I've got a better idea? Oh, we do. I do. But you see, God is out to get glory for his name. And he uses every situation to get glory for his name. When we complain, we are complaining about the very things, the very plan, the very people that bring glory to the name of God. And even bad things bring glory to his name, whatever bad things are. One of the greatest miracles of history 
was the crossing of the Red Sea. God drying up the land, opening up the the, the water, and Israel escaping on dry ground. Over and over and over in Scripture, this story is retold and held up as an example of God's might and power and protection of his people. God gets great glory from this story. His name is honored by this event in history. Israel is finally released from 400 years of slavery, free at last, and all they can do is complain and moan and whine about this and about that. Wouldn't you love to be able to say, I was one of those who crossed the Red Sea on dry ground? Wouldn't it be awesome to bounce your grandkids on your knee and say, yep, we were scared. But the water went up on both sides and we started walking across and it wasn't even muddy, it was dry. And the grandkids are like, oh, wow, that must have been so cool, Grandpa. But as they faced this tremendous test of faith, As God was preparing to gain incredible glory for his name and give these people an experience beyond belief, they were complaining. They were whining. Now, granted, they didn't know how it was going to turn out, but there was an absolute lack of faith and trust in a faithful God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what today holds. We can complain about situations, but, but do we trust the faithfulness of our God? He is utterly faithful. Look at this in Exodus 14. When Pharaoh drew near, the people lifted up their eyes and beheld the Egyptians were marching and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out. They said to Moses, is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us? Is this not what we said? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Are you getting this? They're saying, you should have just left us back there in slavery than to bring us out here. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Seriously? That's what they said? Here's a challenge for 2018. Here's a challenge for a fresh start for this new year. I need to fix, and we need to fix our minds and our hearts on Jesus so strongly that the first thing I think about when a problem or an irritation or a trial hits is this. How will this event, this situation, this trial, this discomfort, this irritation, this person that annoys me, how is God going to bring glory to himself in this? How can I turn my grumbling and complaining into gratitude and thanksgiving? How might this situation actually be for my good, even though it is frustrating and painful and annoying and irritating? Now, let me just give a caveat here for a minute. There is a place and there is a time for us to grieve I'm not trying to minimalize or trivialize the the hurts and and the grief that comes when there is great loss or great sorrow or great pain. But we can't stay there. We can't stay grieving that situation, complaining about that situation. 
And really, probably most of our complaining is about the little trivial things. Traffic and the weather and annoyances. So when traffic unexpectedly backs up on the 405, and by the way, that's a stupid statement because it never unexpectedly backs up on the 405. Count on it. I don't care if you're there at 3 in the morning. Count on it. Instead of complaining... Consider how God may have worked on my behalf to keep me out of an accident that happened up ahead. Or, or any other number of scenarios that you and I will probably never know about. When you're stuck in the slow lane, ask yourself, how does this irritation bring glory to God? I think this is a great exercise. Uh, you got to get over the irritation first because that hits. And we start complaining But how is this in my best interest? What can I learn from this? How can I grow into greater Christ-likeness? And how can God get greater glory for himself in this situation? It reminds me of the young man that had been born blind. Um, He'd been blind his whole life. And, And I just think about the grief that his parents went through when they realized their son, he was born and he was blind and 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 he would he would never see. What was his childhood like? How much taunting did he put up with from the neighborhood kids? Uh, He never played baseball. He never played video games. He never played soccer. He never watched TV, never went to the beach, never saw his parents, never saw a sunset or a tree or a flower or his friends. How How much grief and sorrow was there in that? And why did that happen? So often we don't know why these trials come, but in this situation we actually do know. It happened so that on this day in A.D. 30, in the land of Palestine, when Jesus the Messiah walked by, he could reach out and touch this man's eyes and restore his sight and bring glory to God. Look at John chapter 9, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Their assumption was somebody did something wrong for this to happen. And Jesus said, it wasn't this man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man was born blind, and he went through a a, a lifetime of blindness and suffering and trial and taunting so that God could be exalted, so that Jesus could be lifted high on this day. Now, does that seem extreme to you? Be honest. Does that seem extreme? It does to me. I've thought about this story many times. I thought, really? And I think, okay, does that fit into my view of God? And if it doesn't, what needs to change? My view of God. God is out to bring glory to his name, and we are here for the purpose of bringing honor and glory to his name. And if God can receive greater glory and greater honor by my suffering, by my irritations, by all these annoyances in my life, then bring it on. And may I never complain, never whine, never murmur again. Why is complaining so sinful? Because our complaining and whining about the things, the way things are in life indicates that we do not have the proper awe of God. 
that we don't have the proper sense of his awesome power to order the events of the world. We don't have the the proper sense that he is out to bring glory to his name and that sometimes his glory is magnified in a greater way in my suffering, in my trials, in my annoyances. And so in light of this, the third question that we have to ask is this. How do we gain victory over the sin of complaining? I want a fresh start in 2018. We don't make New Year's resolutions, but we always kind of look and say, what, what, what's, what's this year hold? What's going to be different this year? What can we do to, to make life better? And so a couple thoughts. First of all, to get victory over complaining, understand that it's sin. Ask God, what is my heart attitude that causes me to complain? What is it inside me that that causes me to whine and complain and, and murmur about the way things are? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? Is it the sense of, I deserve better than this? I shouldn't have to wait in line longer than somebody else. I need to get where I'm going faster than everybody else. I deserve to be healthier, I deserve to be richer, I deserve whatever. Is it ungratefulness? I don't appreciate, God, how you work in my life. I don't like what you're doing. I don't want my life to be this way, if, even though it brings more glory to your name. Is it a lack of faith, a lack of trust, a lack of depending on him? Get perspective. Another way to to get victory over this uh, sin of complaining. Understand that God has only our best in mind and does only what's good for us. Whatever is in our life is there for a reason and a purpose. And his purposes are always good. And they're for our good, even when they're hard things and, and bad things. When God acts, he gets the glory, but we get the benefit. When he moves, his name is honored and exalted, but blessings come to us. Now, those things don't always seem like blessings. It's like, okay, if this is a blessing, I don't want it. Please take it away and give it to somebody else. But if our, if our heart is for God and our heart is to become more like Jesus, then, then what he gives us are good things. Even when I don't understand what he's doing, and so often I don't. Romans 8, 28 and 29 is probably the peak of God's word in helping us not to complain God will take every single thing in your life and work it in such a way that good comes out of it. I know these verses have probably been uh, misused at times and people have beat other people over the head with them and it's like, oh no, everything works out for good. It's okay, don't worry about it. It's like, okay, let's, let's honor the grief of the situation. But really, the truth of these verses is absolutely amazing. And so in order for it not to be so trite, maybe, as it often is, let's, let's say it together. It's up there in the screen. You ready? And we know 
that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And that's what a lot of that stuff is about, conforming us to the image of his son. All things, even those hard things, even those bad things, even those painful things, he can work them together to make good. So instead of complaining, think about all the possible ways that this annoyance, this pain, this hardship will end up bringing glory to your God, bring, bringing glory to God. This could be, this could be fun if you can think of it that way. These irritations come along, things that you might complain about, the weather, the traffic, whatever, and just stop and think, okay, God, how, how is this? In my life, how could this be for your glory? And start talking about it and start thinking about it and start uh, challenging yourself. And then a third a third suggestion I thought of for victory over complaining is to challenge each other, especially in families uh, or as roommates. Um, maybe get a complaining jar and keep it out. And, um, you know, parents, let the kids challenge you too, respectfully. Be respectful. But whenever somebody complains, they've got to put a dollar in the jar or a quarter or whatever's appropriate. And call each other on it because I think, I really believe we complain far more than we realize. And if we allow others to speak into our lives, maybe we can start to see, oh, wow, I didn't see that. I didn't catch that. And so I got to ask, is, is, is our passion really for him to increase and me to decrease? Is our passion really for God's glory to be lifted high and exalted? Are we willing to sacrifice even our own comfort and our own uh, good feelings in order for him to be glorified? If this world is all we have, then we have a lot to complain about. But it isn't. It isn't. Our home is beyond here. This morning, I urge you to make a fresh start in 2018 with a new appreciation of God's sovereign control of everything in our lives. Ask him to make you aware of this and give us the same attitude of this teenage girl who was, who was young and eager, and she had her whole life ahead of her. She was in love with a fine young man who had his own business. They were engaged and planning to be married soon. Everything was going her way, and she had nothing to complain about. She was a believer, as was her fiancé. But there was still the temptation at times to consider her own needs ahead of, of uh, others and to complain about some of these irritations in life. And then one night, her life took a dramatic turn. She found out she was pregnant. All of her dreams, all of her ambitions, all of the joys that she had in life suddenly, suddenly changed, and she knew her life would never be the same. 
The child was not her fiance's, fiance's, which of course made him want to call off the whole thing. Her world was falling down around her and she could have complained and she could have grumbled and she could have lashed out because this pregnancy was not her fault. She had not sinned. She had not cheated. But the God in whom she had believed, in whom she believed, had chosen her to carry the Messiah. She could have said, no, 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 Lord, this really messes up my life. I mean, I had other plans, and this is not what I had planned. But she understood that God's glory was most important, and that she would be most happy in the end if she put his glory ahead of her own. And so Mary's response to this shocking news that she was pregnant, even though she was a pure virgin, was this. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so when those trials and those irritations and those annoyances come into our lives, let this be our response. Let us not complain Let us not murmur, let us not grumble, but let us say, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Sound good? Lord Jesus, this is good to hear, but this afternoon when we go out to eat, and it wasn't what we ordered, and it's cold, and it's not done right, we're going to start complaining. But Father, I pray that in that moment we would realize, okay, Lord, let it be to me, according to your word. Let it be what you want it to be. Let let me learn to um, exalt you and, and glorify your name in this. Even as I ask myself how this will bring greater Christ-likeness in my own life. So Father, do that in us. As we start a new year tomorrow, may we start with a fresh perspective and a fresh view of who you are and how ultimately sovereignly in control you are of every event. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.